It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December 1st, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you after a week well, we off. We had a week off, a, a rare yeah. week off doesn't last feel week. Right. No, it doesn't seem right. Uh, but uh, we're glad to be back tonight, and uh, we're glad that you're listening. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com or sign in the chat room with other listeners on the program tonight. Kyle's behind the board. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the program tonight. It's uh, good to be here. Yeah, I look forward to hearing from you during the program as well. And, um, well, this is one of those uh, programs that I like. Yeah, we got a smorgasbord tonight. Yeah. Uh, we got questions from listeners that we've been saving up. Uh, sort of, I was saving up an eclectic blend of questions. Yeah, they're for not, tonight. they're not related. And I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. I don't think we're going to get through these. Well, we'll have to hurry. We have to get through. But there's some of them are really, are just really interesting. Interesting questions. And so, uh, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll look forward to answering some of these. Yeah, and, we want your feedback. We 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 didn't get much email today, but uh, from you all in the chat room, you've got to be noisy in the chat room tonight and give yeah, us some feedback. Yeah, help us out in the chat room. And uh, it is a reminder: if you'd like to have a question answered in this forum, we can keep your name anonymous, as we have done tonight with those who submitted the questions. Some uh, the reason I went with just some initials tonight uh, to sort of hide identity because some asked for that and. Yeah. And maybe the questions of others maybe deserve sort of an anonymity. Yeah. So we, we Just, you, and you can even state that when you submit your question, and we'll try and honor, uh, honor that. Regardless, we'll try and keep things anonymous. Uh, but we would like your questions or suggestions for future editions of the program. Lots of interesting questions to go to tonight, and probably ought to go ahead and get into that. Yeah. Let's just dive uh, yeah, in. Just go. Let's dive in with our first question. I'm not going to read the questions ahead of time because some of them are rather long, and the first one is a longer question. That has the, the question from KB has three parts, uh, three different questions about marriage and divorce. And of course, we've talked about marriage and divorce at length on the virtual Bible study in the past. And I'm not sure whether these questions are because of disagreement or lack of understanding, or maybe just to sort of re-air some of these, well, these questions points. that uh, this listener these has are, been asked. Yeah, and these questions come up pretty often yeah. because divorce, unfortunately, is so prevalent in our society. Therefore, people are going to have lots of questions about divorce right. and remarriage. Right. Okay. So uh, here's the first of the three-parter. If the innocent party puts away the guilty, can the guilty party remarry and the second marriage be accepted by God? If not, why not if God gives mercy? Okay. All right. So I think the fact that our, our questioner identifies uh an innocent and a guilty party, I think that that immediately insists that we go to Matthew 19.9. Yes. Uh, because that's the, that's the you know, so, some of the passages uh, that talk about divorce just state it without exception. For instance, like in Luke 16, verse 18, 
Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery, and whoever marries her that is put away from her husband commits adultery. Yeah. Uh, Luke's account there, for instance, doesn't doesn't reference any exception, but the exception clause is clearly in Matthew 19, verse 9. Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commits adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Okay. So Matthew nineteen nine allows that that, a, that there would be an exception if if a, an innocent spouse found that his marriage partner had been unfaithful to him, then he could put he or she could put the unfaithful spouse away and remarry. All right. So, so the answer, innocent party that that passage is saying the innocent party can remarry. Yes. And it's and it's accepted by God. But the guilty party there says the person who's been put away if you. Uh, if if that person is remarried, uh, then uh, there's a problem. Yeah. So the put away person, the one who was put away, cannot remarry. And so Matthew nineteen nine, I think, clearly would answer the first part of this question: yes. Can the guilty party remarry and the second marriage be accepted by God? No. Yes. Uh, whoever marries her that is put away doth commit adultery. Yes. And clearly, if if she's guilty of fornication and put away, she can't remarry. In fact, we I think we understand the scriptures to teach that no put away person can remarry. Find us a passage that says that yeah. they can. Uh, if if a person is put away, either guilty or I think even an innocent put away person. If you're a put away person, you can't remarry. But clearly, a guilty put away person can't remarry. Now, the follow up that why not? If God, the question is. Can that can that second marriage be accepted by God? If not, why not? If God gives mercy, well, you're, yeah. you're sort of combining two issues here. One is, could, so it, it's a sin. In other words, the guilty party has committed a sin. Can they be forgiven of the sin? Certainly, there's mercy. Yeah, uh, there's forgiveness for sin. But forgiveness of sin does not always remove consequence of sin, and the and the ongoing consequence of that sin would be you can't remarry. It yeah. doesn't 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 negate God's mercy. God's gonna, God's willing to forgive, but he, but sometimes you live with consequences. A, a passage that's. Uh I thought of is uh, Titus chapter two verse eleven, talking about God's grace, which is closely connected to His mercy. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Verse twelve. So that they can just keep on living any way they want to live? Yeah. No, teaching us that we are denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present in the present age. So God's grace and God's mercy doesn't just say, "Hey, you do what you want to," and I'm just—it's not going to be a big deal. I'll, I'll just look over that. Well, let me, yeah, let me pose a, 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 what I intend to be a parallel here. If I steal my neighbor's car, can I keep it? And be accepted by God? Why not if, if God not, gives mercy? If God has mercy. No, I can be forgiven to steal my neighbor's car, but I can't keep the car. Yeah. You know, uh, so, you know, I think we just got to use a little bit of common sense in conjunction with the plain statement of Scripture here. And, and the answer to that just has to be no, you can't. It, uh, so well, let's go with that, unless somebody calls or jumps in the chat room yep. here. 877-381-4567, question at collegeview.com. He goes on and asks some more questions for us. If the guilty party remarries, they commit adultery. Would this be considered living in continuous adultery, for example, like living in a homosexual relationship? Or would the adultery be a one-time commit, and they ask God to forgive them, and they live happily ever after? 
Why not if Jesus' blood cleanseth? All right. Well, now, what about this idea? Is 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 it a, is the adultery? Now he's he's acknowledging here in his question that this would be adultery, but is this adultery a one-time act or an ongoing? Uh, situation. Okay. I think we can look at a Bible verse that actually gives us an answer to that. Um, in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul said, the verse 2, Romans 7 verse 2, the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, notice this, so then, if while her husband liveth, she shall be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she's free from that law, so she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Notice, that's uh, that's a verb tense in the, in the Greek. We won't get dive too deep into that, but that, the verb tense in the Greek suggests an ongoing action. Mm-hmm. She shall be called. Right. Uh, uh, in other words, as long as she's in that mar- uh, unscriptural marriage relationship, she's she's in adultery. She's going to she shall be called an adulteress. It's an ongoing sin. And actually, I think it's interesting that our questioner brings up the idea of a homosexual relationship. Well, could a homosexual marry another homosexual and then just, you know, it's a one-time, it's a one-time sin, and then they could repent of the sin and then live happily happily ever after? No. I think everybody agrees, no, the homosexual couldn't do that. Well, neither can the person who's in an unscriptural marriage relationship. All right. Uh, what do you say? 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. I think uh, the, the the homosexual parallel is absolutely uh, effective there in showing us uh, that it is not okay just to, well, I'll do it and then I'll ask for forgiveness because it's a continual thing. The same thing that uh, got John, uh, well, got John beheaded. John the Baptist, yeah. Yeah, because he told Herod, who had his brother's wife, it was. He didn't say it was wrong for you to marry her. It's unlawful for you to have her. Yeah. It's unlawful for you Good. to be in this relationship. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. Um. He said. Then the, the follow up to that was why not? Why wouldn't Why wouldn't they be able to be forgiven and live happy ever, happily ever after if if the Lord's blood cleanses? Okay. If it was a one time act, then yes. Jesus' blood would, if they repented, would but that's cleanse the, it. But that's the key right there, if they repented. If they repented. Yeah. But, and he will, and it will cleanse if they repent, but repenting means you're going to stop committing the sin. Yeah. I stole my neighbor's car, and I'm driving it every day. Why doesn't the Lord's blood cleanse me of it? Yeah. I said I was sorry, yeah. but I kept the car, and I'm still driving it. Well, because I haven't repented. That's why his blood doesn't cleanse me of that, because I continue in the sin. All right. All right. Okay, part three of the question. Part three of the question. Can a husband and wife divorce because they don't like each other anymore and remarry? When they remarry, is that marriage accepted by God? Why not if God can forgive us of our sins and he gives mercy? Uh, Well, first of all, can a husband and wife divorce because they just don't like each other anymore and remarry? No. They made certain promises and commitments to one another. There's a covenant of marriage that they agreed to. Yeah. And so you can't just say, I don't like you anymore. I'm getting out. Right. That's that that would be to break the marriage vows. And yeah. that's exactly what those verses say. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 19:9, what therefore God hath uh, Matthew 19 verse 6 rather, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Don't put it asunder. Yeah. And so you can't do that. Um uh, can't, so, 
when they remarry, is that marriage accepted by God? No. Yeah. Uh, as we've already said, that would be adultery. Can God forgive us? Yes, God can forgive us, but only when we repent. Uh, except you repent, Luke uh, 13, verse 3, you shall all likewise perish. Uh, so uh, the problem with quite, quite a bit of what the way this is worded is there's no repentance. Certainly, God shows mercy. Certainly, God can forgive us. But we've got to do our part in meeting his terms and condition for forgiveness. And the way this is stated, those conditions are not being met. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. About time for a break. Uh, I happened to hear a uh, guy on the radio last night uh, uh, on a Catholic radio program, and I was listening to him because he was so bizarre sounding. Um, but someone asked about this idea of marriage, and and he made a good point. He said, well, "You made a vow," and we look out throughout Scripture at how God views vows, how people in, in the Old Testament viewed vows. Think about uh, Jacob and Esau uh, and Isaac giving the blessing. He, he, he made a promise there that Jacob was going to receive the blessing. He couldn't go back on that. Jephthah made a vow. He couldn't go back on it. Uh, when you make a vow, you make a vow. And people need to understand that when they get married, you make a vow. You yeah. need to honor the commitment that you made. Yeah. Before we take our break, and we'll, we'll wrap up this question with uh, an email from Kent in Georgia. He says, all accountable individuals are amenable to the New Testament of Christ. Matthew 19.9 and Matthew 5.32 affirm that marriage is between one man and one woman for life. The only exception to this law is the sin of fornication. Where fornication is committed by a marriage partner, only the innocent has New Testament authority to put away the guilty, fornicating spouse, and form a second marriage. Even then, when an innocent partner has put away a fornicating former mate, the second marriage must be to a scripturally qualified partner, that is, one who has never been married or is widowed or a person who has divorced a former mate because of their fornication. God's mercy is indeed important and available. However, such is never without conditions and is never a license to commit sin. An unscriptural marriage to a non-qualified partner would involve the participants in a state or a condition of continuous action. Therefore, such would be in a, would be a continuous sin. Obedience to the gospel of Christ to the alien sinner, uh, obedience to the gospel of Christ to the alien sinner requires repentance, confession of sin. Uh, see, I'm not getting that. Uh, some, something's missing here. Uh, obedience to the gospel of Christ for the alien, uh, sinner. Is, requires, I think. Uh, would, well, it requires repentance, confession, and baptism, uh, for an unfaithful, let's see. Yeah, something something's missing yeah, in that yeah, sentence. Little... The issue is not whether or not God is willing to forgive. The issue is that one must obey conditions of forgiveness and not continue in sin. That's the key, yeah. right okay. there. We agree, Ken. All right, thank you for that, Ken. All right, we need to get a break. When we get back, we will get to question number two of six. And uh, well, you're going to need to do some googling during this break. What's the question? Okay, the real simple question: What do you know about Nibiru, Planet X, or Planet Ten? Oh, you ever heard of it? Ever heard of what do you know? The question as it came in was simply worded that way. What do you know about Nibiru Planet X? And if you don't know anything about it, you might want to Google it. But you you might be surprised that the scriptures address this very subject. What about Nibiru Planet X? <laughs> we know we can we can ter- determine some very important facts about this planet if it exists. 
from the scriptures, and we'll talk about that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The Lord's Bible study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Blame yourself as you would blame others. Excuse others as you would excuse yourself. Prayer should be the key of the morning and the lock of the night. Even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. The actions of men are the best interpreters of their thoughts. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, and we're taking listener questions. If you've got one, send it in, questions at collegeu.com. Now, I got this question from S.J., very simply, it just, all it said, and this is the whole of the question, what do you know about Nibiru, planet X, or that may be the Roman numeral X or 10, yeah. what do you know about Nibiru, planet X or planet 10? Yeah. I wrote back and said, I know absolutely nothing about that. And that's exactly what uh, Kent said, is that I do not know anything about Nibiru, planet X. Uh, well, then I got the response, well, you will in uh, fairly shortly. Okay. Uh, that that. So we had to find out about this. The, the questioner didn't supply any information, but I, uh, there's there's a good, you did some googling. I did some googling, and there's quite a bit of information out there on the internet about this. The Nibiru Cataclysm is a supposed. This is from uh, Wikipedia. Is a supposed disastrous encounter between the Earth and a large planetary object, either a collision or a near miss, which certain groups believe will take place early in the 21st century. Now. Believers in this doomsday event usually refer to this object as Planet X, Planet 10. I don't know whether that's Planet X or Planet 10, uh, Nibiru. The idea of a planet-sized object will collide with or closely pass by Earth in the near future is not supported by any scientific evidence that has been and has been rejected by astronomers and planetary scientists as pseudoscience and an Internet hoax. The idea, now, it, now you want to talk about sounding like an internet hoax, listen to this. <laughs> the idea was first put forward in 1995 by Nancy Leader, founder of the website Zeta Talk. Leader describes herself as a contact E with the ability to receive messages from extraterrestrials from the uh, Zeta Reticuli star system through an implant in her brain. Mm-hmm. She she states that she was chosen to warn mankind that the object would sweep through the inner solar system in May of 2003, although that date was later postponed. And this this near pass would cause the Earth to undergo physical pole shift and would destroy most of humanity. All right. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, There's uh, something going on up there, but I don't think it's the implant that's causing the problems. But yeah. Maybe. But you know what's kind of interesting. A date was specified, but then later had to be changed. Now, that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it, Kyle? All these people who predict end-time things, they they predict a date, and then they have to change it because it doesn't happen? Yeah. That sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, the, uh, but but I'm telling you, people have, have jumped on this, and there's all kind of weird websites out there. This this website, this, this calls Nibiru the 12th planet. And it's connected with some elements that you read about in the Bible, supposedly. 
these folks, uh, this is the Anunnaki, and it's Anunnaki.org. They claim that our creators came from this yet undiscovered planet and that this planet intersects with our solar system every 3,600 years. They say the Bible refers to them as the Nephilim. Yeah. Oh, that, the Bible does have something about Nephilim. Yeah. Supposedly, uh, the, uh, our, our race was created as a hybrid race uh, when, when these Nephilim bred with native earth animals to create a race of workers to help them mine minerals from our planet. However, the aliens didn't like this interbreeding and chose not to warn humankind about the impending doom of Nibiru in 13,000 B.C. that caused the great flood here on Earth. The flood they claim was, was caused by one of these near passes uh-huh. of, of Nibiru. However, one of the Anunnaki took it upon himself to inform Noah of the impending doom so that he could help avoid the extinction of the human race. And and the Anunnaki promised to return in time, but they will leave humans alone to rule the planet. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. All right. Well, what are we going to say about that? Well, I mean, this that we're supposed this is supposed to be Bible questions and answers. How are we going to answer that? Well... Anytime that someone puts forth some type of cataclysmic event that's going to wipe out humanity, we can discount it. It's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen because we know that there are going to be people alive when Jesus returns. Uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, that in verse 15, for we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the shout of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. People are going to be on the earth when the Lord returns. Yeah. Don't have to worry about something going to hit the earth and knock us out of orbit. or and make we, a and we weren't created from, by aliens from other parts of the universe. We were created by a, an all-powerful God who, who who supersedes this physical universe who created it out of nothing, and and uh, so the idea that we were that we were planted here by aliens from outer space—I mean, that that just completely denies um, biblical insp- uh, inspired creation. Yeah. Uh, plus, we we are not going to our time is not going to end because of a collision of heavenly bodies. You know, if if the Earth, if if this planet Nibiru collided with planet Earth, and humanity uh, went extinct. Well, the universe would still stand, but in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, we're told the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and the elements shall melt mm-hmm. with fervent heat. The earth away. also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. They're going to they're going to they're going to go away the at the same time. The physical universe is going to be destroyed. Not going to just knock the earth out of orbit and it'll yeah. it'll, it'll, it'll still be here. Yeah. Or the or the heavens will still be here, the earth will be obliterated. No. It's all going to go away at the same time. Good yeah. point. Yeah. So I have to agree with Kent when he said, I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about these conspiracy theories, and that's really what they are. But I do know what the Bible says, that the the time of the end is not knowable. You know, uh, the... uh, 
uh, we just read Second Peter three ten. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. A thief in the night comes unannounced. There's not going to be there's going to be an announcement of it coming. You're not going to be able to discover the time of the coming. Uh, and therefore, we just make ourselves ready, uh, serve faithfully, and yeah. in, t- in anticipation of whatever may happen. We're going to be faithful to the Lord. All right. That's uh, enough to know. We, we we know enough from the scriptures to know that there isn't going to be a planet 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever theory might be floated out there. Uh, the earth will stand until the Lord returns. People will be on it when the Lord returns. And uh, we need to be ready whenever that may be. Yeah. It, I'm just really disappointed that people can allow themselves to be carried away with that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean... What's the value of that? What's the value of all that kind of wild speculation uh, when all we need to know God has given us in the scriptures and all we have to do is live by that? We don't we don't need to be speculating about, uh, you know, planetary collisions every thirty six hundred years and some kind of alien beings that came and planted us here on on the earth and so forth. Just accept the scripture as for the truth that it is and live by it. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Shall we get into the next one? We have time to get that before our break? Yeah, let's start at least. So we've, we've dealt with the marriage questions from KB and the Nibiru question from SJ. CL asks, what do you think about decriminalizing marijuana? You know, there's been quite a bit of talk about that. And, there and are lots some of folks states already have. Uh, decriminalized marijuana. What do you think about that? You know, I think this issue uh, is one we need to be prepared to deal with because it's going to be uh, more and more accepted in our society. That's already happening, and I'm I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not a prophet, but I could almost guarantee it's going to be more and more accepted among Christians, and if it's not already being accepted by Christians, and to be straightforward here, if the Christian, there, there's a lot of Christians who are compromising on the use of alcohol, and if they're going to be consistent, they and accept alcohol, they need to accept marijuana. Uh, oh, wanna, they stand or fall together. I think that's the key right there. Uh, whatever argument you make or don't make about alcohol is the same argument that applies to marijuana. Absolutely, straight down the line. I talked with a, uh, a brother who is accepting the use of alcohol t- now. And I ask him about marijuana. Well, he wouldn't accept that. And I ask him, you know, to show why he wouldn't. We made the same arguments you'd use to say you can't, you shouldn't drink alcohol yeah. in moderation. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's illogical. Either they stand or fall. If it's okay to drink in moderation, it's okay to smoke marijuana in moderation. Yeah. In fact, and I, I wouldn't try to defend either one. But if you wanted to just go from the the uh, the consequences, the this life consequences of each one, marijuana may be less harmful than That's the alcohol. argument that people in the world are making. Yeah, and so, you know, you better be careful what you're wishing for because, you know, if, you, if you're going to allow it, then you, you're throwing the barn door open. Right. Uh, so, uh, what do you think? How would you answer uh, the question, what about the decriminalization of marijuana? Send in your thoughts in the chat room. Um, you know, uh, what's interesting here is, and really, our government is in a real untenable position because they license the manufacture of alcohol. And benefit from it. And benefit from the taxes they collect on it. And then they're out here prosecuting people for for possessing, selling, and using marijuana. 
They're, they're really, it's a really hypocritical position to be in. Yeah. Now, so what do you do to solve that hypocritical dilemma? Well, if you're going to have legal alcohol, I guess you have to legal have legal marijuana. No, why don't we have illegal marijuana and illegal alcohol? Right. You know, uh, oh, well, now you're talking about prohibition. Yeah. Oh, prohibition. Everybody knows prohibition didn't work when they tried to make alcohol illegal. You ought to do some research about prohibition. Prohibition was actually successful. Yeah. And alcohol and the rates of alcoholism in America dropped dramatically during the years of prohibition, even though our government expended almost no resources to enforce the laws against alcohol. There were effectively there was effectively no enforcement of prohibition, and yet it still was quite effective in in dramatically reducing the consumption of alcohol and alcoholism during the years of prohibition. And you know, and but we've been fed this propaganda line that oh man, you can't do pro, you can't do prohibition. Prohibition didn't work. Prohibition was a big failure, and it actually wasn't. All right. Uh, what do you think? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Why don't we get a break? And when we come back, let's talk about the scriptures that would say that the use of marijuana or alcohol is not acceptable to God uh, for the purpose of becoming intoxicated or becoming influenced by uh, the consumption of it. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, send them in the chat room. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. We'll be back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Our words have powerful potential for good and for evil, to help or to harm. Knowing this, we need to exercise great caution concerning the things we say. Have you ever been hurt, seriously wounded by the words of another? Has a brother or sister spoken something that seemed to cut like a knife? And then when you responded, they replied, well, that's not what I meant, or or you took that in a way that I didn't intend. Okay, we accept that explanation if sincerely offered, but we would warn to be ever more careful with your words. Even when not intended, words carelessly chosen can do much damage. And who knows how often we might have said things that unknowingly hurt another and they suffered silently, never mentioning how painful our words were to them. Be careful. Know that your words can cut like a sharp sword, Psalm 57, verse 4. Make sure that what you say will build up and not tear down, Ephesians 4, verse 29. By taking great precautions with our words, we will keep ourselves out of trouble, Proverbs 21, verse 23. Let us pray as the psalmist did, quote, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips, Psalm 141, verse 3. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible We're study. We're back on the program tonight. I remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and uh, you can find out how to contact us there, or we'll just tell you now. It's questions at collegeu.com, and we'd love to hear from you at any time. Send in your questions or suggestions for future topics to be discussed on the virtual Bible study. Yeah, I got uh, Kent in his email said there's no evidence from science that marijuana has any medical value uh, uh, to be used as such. There is, however, evidence that being a drug such as a, it is addictive and affects one's reasoning ability. Upon such a basis, I would oppose 
it as lacking New Testament authority for proper usage and is sinful. As a former law enforcement officer, I see great harm to society in the decriminalization of such. Okay. In the chat room, uh, Timothy says, as a Christian, I don't want to have my abilities lessened. Just as alcohol inhibits the mind, so does he, he calls it marijuana, and sometimes that's what he says. I, however, you spell that. Well, that's the way. That's how some people refer to it, Timothy, is marijuana. Uh, but it is. And Jacob, you've got some verses that talk about the fact that we should not surrender our self-control, sobriety, self-discipline, our right mind. Yeah, we could go back in the Old Testament. We're not under the Old Testament today. But uh, the Proverbs, as uh, they are noted, uh, many refer to them as wisdom literature. Well, the wisdom of God is you don't drink uh, alcohol. Verse 29, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who linger long at the wine, at the wine those who go in in search of mixed wine, uh, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Uh, yes, you will be like the one who lies down on the midst of, in the midst of the sea or one who lies at the top of the mast saying, They have struck me up, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? So there's your wisdom from the Old Testament on uh, drinking. Well, someone might say, well, that's obviously talking about someone who's drunk because he's, you know, swaying around and getting beat up. But the solution to drunkenness is not just, well, be a little bit, you know. Drink less. Yeah, don't, don't, don't hit it so hard next time. The, 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 the warning there is don't drink at all. Don't look at the wine when it's. You know, permitted. I don't think I've, and I have, I, I don't have vast experience uh, in, in interviewing people who drink. Uh, supposedly in moderation, but I don't think I've, uh, in my limited experience, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who who has drunk alcohol in their life who who would say I never drank too much. Everybody I've ever talked to said, "Yeah, I've gone too far sometimes." Yeah. And how do you now, know? I, I try not to, but I have in the past. Yeah, yeah. How do you know? Uh, and so uh, there's your Old Testament wisdom on. Again, we don't live under the commands of the Old Testament. Well, here's what we do live under: First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eight, uh, verse seven, beginning uh, or verse six. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet of the hope of salvation. Two times they were told that we need to be sober. That's in contrast to being drunk. Now, granted, this is a uh, figurative use of sleeping and, and drunkenness. But it is uh, the, 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 command the command is to be is, so, sober. And, and, and the... Of course, we, when we think of sober, we think exclusively of being free from intoxicants. Well, apply that there, literally. And that's be what free the Greek intoxic- word means, to yeah. be free from the influence of intoxicants. Yeah. Now, that and, doesn't, to be, and to be in total self-control. Total self-control, free from the influence. Now, that, doesn't mean, that obviously means you don't go out and get fallen down in the gutter drunk. But that also means free from the influence of intoxicants. I mean, I'm free from the influence of intoxicants. I don't drink just a glass of wine at dinner to take the edge off. And there's an old saying, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard it, when you take one drink, you're one drink drunk. But that old saying is verified by experts who say that there is a discernible, measurable loss of capacity with the very first consumption of alcohol. You lose some control. Yeah. 
And and these verses are saying don't don't give up your control. Don't be under the influence. Free Sec- from the influence. And that's that's not just having one to take the edge off that you're you have been under the influence I'm of the I'm not drunk. I just got a little buzz, they say. Yeah, yeah just like well, loosens me buzz, up a little bit. A little buzz or being loosened up is a yeah. loss of self-control. Yeah. Uh 1 Peter 5:8 be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom may may devour. I need to be on my toes. The devil's trying to oh. undo me, oh. and I don't need to give him an edge by being under the influence. I need to yeah. be sober. That same word there, the, the sober, the same Greek word, it means to be free from the influence of intoxication. Now, oh, people say you're being a fuddy-duddy. You're being a fuddy-duddy. This isn't that big a deal. I, just, it, I don't. It, it doesn't cause me to do anything. I just. It just loosens me up a little bit. Yeah. Let's put that. Let's make this uh, this lion here, this figure here. This roaring lion. Let's say it is a literal roaring lion. How many how many beers you want to have before you go up against that? Okay, I got to walk between here and home. Yeah. And there's lion. There's a big bad lion between here and there. Yeah. Give me a give me a beer. I got. I don't drink two three uh, beers. Yeah, just yeah. get loosened up a little bit, and then I'll go out there and face that lion. No, I want to be on. No, I want to be on. I want to be on uh, at peak performance here. If I've got to get past that lion, I do not want to be impaired at all. Yep. That's just common sense, let alone Bible. Yep. Now, so, now this is a uh, reference to alcohol, but is it also applicable to marijuana? I say that it is. You say that it is. Uh, I say it is because it, it marijuana does the same thing alcohol does. It causes me to lose sobriety. I'm not in full control. I have lost my sobriety i'm under the influence of something that affects my judgment again not drunk not falling down drunk but i'm under the influence of that intoxicant the scriptures tell me i can't be under the influence of that intoxicant now i don't know if any christians are arguing well i just going to want to drink it because i like the taste christians are arguing it because they want to tell you and we've dealt with this uh, quite a bit uh, and and christians who want to justify the use of of alcohol in so-called moderation do not have a leg to stand on in opposition to marijuana to the so-called moderate use of marijuana if you can moderately use alcohol you can moderately use alcohol uh, marijuana and the christians are are arguing for the use of the alcohol for the wine at dinner it's not for the taste it's for the effect they're arguing it for the effect for what it does that's what they're after and the scriptures tell us you can't have that effect yeah and be sober as God would have you to be sober. Timothy in the chat room says, as a CDL driver, I cannot have any alcohol in my system, as well as certain legal or illegal drugs. Now, isn't that interesting? As a as a truck driver, no alcohol. Why? Why can't he have a little? Just, you know, just hey, a little. Hey, come on. He's not going to be drunk. He's come just on. driving that 80,000-pound truck down the road, you know, around all the rest and, of it. And, and that's, that's, that's high stakes. Yeah. So none. Yeah. None. Well, you got a higher stake deal in your life every day with that roaring lion. But, oh, it's okay. I'll have a little. It's it's just foolishness. Yeah, All I right. agree. I agree. All right. Um, so, I, I, again, I, we just really want to challenge uh, our brethren who want to justify social drinking of alcohol, moderate, so-called moderate drinking of alcohol. You're going to have to deal with this. Uh, I, I don't have any problem dealing with it. I'm, I'm going to deal with it the same way I deal with drinking intoxicating alcohol. Yeah. But if you're giving up the arguments against intoxicating alcohol, what 
reasoning are you going to use for marijuana? Well, the, the, the old standby was always, well, it's illegal. It's against the law. Well, it's not now. Yeah. You can go places it's not against the law. Right. So in the places so where it's not against the law. you can't hide that anymore. Yeah. That was out. So in the places where it's not against the law, what are you going to do? How yeah. are you going to argue against it? Yeah. Alright, you gotta, you gotta have to come to grips with that, and you're gonna have to answer it. We say the way you answer it is you say that they're not accepted. 877-381-4567. Guess 734 says there is no easy answer for the government to take. Alcohol is legal. You do not see mules smuggling it across the border. Marijuana is illegal and is a major import across the border. Making it legal might stop it, but then this will open up the gates for more abuse and problems. The government will tax it and make a lot of money. It will have increase of medical costs to deal with its use. Our taxes will go up. Break up of families, loss of employment, teaching good morals and responsibility for uh, what one does. I think is uh, yeah. the finish yeah. that. So thank you for those comments. I, I, I agree. I mean, it, it, it's the government's in a predicament because you know they they I, I think it would be effectively impossible to ever impose uh, prohibition again. Uh, and so now they are in this dilemma. They've got legal alcohol. Why can't they have legal marijuana? And that's the argument all the proponents of legal marijuana are making. Uh, and, and, but, uh, but just as, as, as guest 734 mentions in the chat room, you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have a lot of consequences. The, the more that any of these, uh, substances which alter the mind, the more they're used, the more consequences come upon society. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but one other thing we have to comment on. Five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, did you know any Christians that were, you know, you would really consider being dedicated to the Lord that were arguing that alcohol was okay? No, oh, well, there's been a shift. There's clearly been a shift. But you can you can lay that right on top of the shift in our society. Fifteen, twenty years ago, alcohol wasn't as prevalent in our society as it is now. Now it's just rampant. Well, it's I every, don't know. I don't know if it's any more rampant in use, but but what is rampant? Acceptance in our society. Acceptance. Acceptance. Yes, yeah. acceptance. It's so accepted now. You know what that tells me? Why weren't these Christians arguing against alcohol fifteen, twenty? If it was scriptural then, it's I mean, now it's scriptural then. What you, you, you it, why, why are you changing your position? Is it that you've been affected by the shift of this society? But, but what it also forebodes is that fifteen or twenty years out in the future from here, they'll they'll be they'll be give, giving way on marijuana too. Uh, the, the same ones who are justifying the use of alcohol will be justifying the use of marijuana. They'll have to. Yeah, Second Corinthians six verse seventeen. God says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I'm afraid, and it's not the first time it's happened. It happens with issues of modesty, moral moral issues. And this is just another illustration of the fact that Christians are open to being influenced by the world, and many are not keeping their guard up against that. They're now accepting things because, well, the world's accepting it more, and so I guess I need to change my position. And we've got to be careful about yeah. that. Let's grab our last break. We got two quick. We got two questions about worship practices that we'll try to cover real quick in our last segment. And then we got, you actually have three. Yeah, one of the two-parter. All right. No. Okay. All right. No, you got three more questions. Four, five, and six here. Oh, well, we may not get to them all. All right. We're gonna go fast. We'll get a break and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The verse Bible study continues right after this. 
Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, website, remember that you can hit control F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit control F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship pleasing to God or pleasing to man? And instrumental music in worship? That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the web page can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Most Americans, 55% that is, agree that if a person is generally good or does good enough things for others during their life, they will earn a place in heaven. That's via the Barna Group. Luke 17, verse 10 says, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back, going to the top of the hour and going fast. Three more questions to go, and we can cover these fast. Okay, somebody in the chat room saying they have some trouble with the feed. Uh, oh, it looks uh, good here. But it looks good here, but try, maybe try refreshing your page. It might help. Uh, real quick, number four from CB. A preacher allowed a denomination to use the Church of Christ building for a Baptist funeral. Should this be allowed? Would it be considered facilitating Baptist teaching? In other words, you provided the location to an event that in all likelihood false doctrine would be presented to a large group of people. I think CB answered his own question. That would be exactly what, what would be my uh, uh, concern. Uh, you know, I don't think now some folks have problem with conducting a funeral in the church building. I don't have any problem with that personally, and we could go into that another time. But uh, if you allow false, I mean, if you allow a situation in which you are almost guaranteed that something contrary to the scripture is going to be taught, that'd be a huge mistake. Here's what Kent says. Any practice that would endorse or encourage false doctrine and or unauthorized practices would be sinful. Second John 9 through 11, providing a building to a denominational preacher to preach false doctrine or encourage an unauthorized practice would be giving approval of their sinful conduct and would be granting them fellowship and such. Therefore, such would be sinful. Some may raise the question regarding providing a meeting place for a public debate. In a public debate, one would be answering false doctrine and demonstrating God's truth while one may answer false doctrine in a funeral, one needs to remember that funerals by design are not debates. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the difference. I, I think that's exactly the difference there. Okay. Uh, you know, change the scenario so it's not a funeral. Say the Baptist church, uh, let's say that their building burned down. 
I mean, a lot, a lot of there was a lot of buildings burned in East Tennessee. Let's say one of them was a Baptist church, and so the Baptists come to you and want to know if they can use your church building on Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, because I don't have a place right now. Would you let them? No. Why not? Because they're going to be teaching things and 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 practicing things that are not true to Scripture in in, in conducting their services in your building. Yeah, I'd say yes. You can have your service here, but I get to preach. Yeah, have that. Uh, um, okay, but again, I think I, I think Kent got to the heart of the matter. I and think then I we'd was... burn the building down if I was preaching. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So okay. let's 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 mark that one off. I think we okay. got that one. All I don't right. think it's too much trouble with that one. And okay. I think I think CB answered his own question. All right. Next. Uh, Ar asked, "What do you think about this situation? Yep. The Lord's Supper was served Sunday morning, but it was served again to everyone the, at the evening service." The explanation was that the unleavened bread at the morning service did not meet the criteria found in the scriptures. All right. Well, if that's the case, I think they did exactly the right thing, but they should have preceded that with some repenting. Well, uh, okay. So let's say that they they let's just let's just say it wasn't some question about. Let's say that let's let's make it more extreme. They, everybody took the Lord's supper Sunday morning, but. The bread was actually pepperoni pizza. Yeah. And they got feeling like some, there was something amiss, Lame. so that they decided that we better do it again at the evening service and do it right. Yeah. Well, who got that pepperoni pizza in there to start with? And wouldn't that be wrong? Wouldn't you need to, as you said, repent of the pepperoni pizza yeah. and, and uh, let's do it right? So, but my big question is the expression didn't meet the criteria for unleavened bread found in the scriptures. Where is that criteria for unleavened bread? Well, there is no criteria. And uh, most people say, well, it's got to be unleavened. Well, it does. But the reason it has to be unleavened uh, is uh, uh, an issue of Bible authority that many don't accept in other areas of worship. Uh, and that being the fact that uh, we have uh, necessary inference here. On, uh, well, on... we know that the, the, the Lord established the Lord's Supper during the Passover week. And during the Passover week, the Jews were forbidden to even have leavening agents in their house. And they, okay. and they ate unleavened bread during, during that week. Uh, and so uh, we, we, we observe unleavened bread because we can be absolutely certain that's what the Lord used. And so we follow the pattern. We but follow... but I, don't, I, mean, I don't think I can read anywhere in the Scripture where it tells me the exact recipe of that unleavened okay. bread. It's, I not, ass... it's, it's, it's not to have leaven. It's not to have yeast in it. I assume that the criteria was that it was leavened bread here, that they had, they had, they had taken something with leavened bread, but maybe, maybe, so. maybe that's it. Uh, I, uh, this same uh, correspondent who sent in the question had done, uh, given some recipe from a 21st century Jew who is keeping the Passover unleavened bread commandment given to Moses. But this is not in the law of Moses. Uh, They use brand new equipment to make this bread. That's required in order for it to be kosher. They take one of five grain flours and mix it with water. It's to be kneaded and put in the oven within 18 minutes Otherwise, they say that natural fermentation takes place even if there isn't any yeast. Uh-huh. Um, well, that's not in the Bible. 
That's not that, that would be uh, typical of the kind of human traditions that the Jews have. Even in the time of Christ, the Jews were very apt at making their own traditions and then trying to enforce them. All we know from the scriptures is that it had to be unleavened. It could not have yeast in it. It couldn't have a leavening agent in it. And and to go beyond that, I think, would be a, a, stating a criteria that's not in the scripture. Did you, I learned something today, I mean, along the lines of the Jews making up these rules. Did you know that for a meal to be kosher, you can't have meat and milk in the same meal? No, I didn't know that, but that's not but, in the scripture. I, you know, and it go, I think it goes back to that, you're not to boil the... the calf and its mother's milk kind of thing maybe but it's a man-made it's a man-made thing like they were doing with a lot of their other rules in jesus time apparently still doing that today the kid of a goat boiling his mother's milk yeah yeah yeah, i don't know about that uh i I would say if they didn't do it right they should do it they should repent and do it right i guess that's what i would say to that situation next question we're out now from the same correspondent was the question at the lord's supper the fruit of the vine was served first and then the unleavened bread what about that well again we'd go back to the issue of bible authority and we'd have to look at the pattern and the order which was used uh, when the the meal was uh, established all right yeah I, I was actually at a place one time years ago when i was just a kid and someone did that and they u- tried to use as justification luke chapter 22 luke's account uh uh he said in luke chapter 22 verse 15 uh, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will not any more eat thereof till it, it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Hold it. And he then, notice, he, so he said, take the cup, divide it among yourselves. Then he said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine till the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Oh, Fruit of the vine first, and then the bread. No, keep reading. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is said. So he gave them the, the element and told, it to, told them to divide it among themselves, but they didn't drink it yet. Which, by the way, is a powerful argument that they use separate drinking containers. I think Luke's account really makes that clear. But he gave it to them. They divided it among themselves. They didn't drink it yet. He gave them the bread. And then they drank the fruit of the vine. Yeah. Luke's account corresponds yeah. with all the others. Yeah. And 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 clearly, when Paul told about partaking Lord's Supper in First Corinthians eleven, it was bread first, fruit of the vine second. That's yeah. the order. That's the scriptural order. And I remember something when I was just a small child, uh, where uh, the vine was served first. You remember that? Yeah. yeah you you got you had to get up and uh, and oh, offer some kind of correction for that because yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the old man is sort of it was sort of losing it a little bit and yeah. done things in the wrong order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, we, but we did stop it and acknowledge the the error, right? Like you, you acknowledge the error. Yeah. So, um, uh, okay. So I think that's that was pretty quickly answered. We got just a few more minutes. We got one more question. We are going to get these in, Jacob. Yeah. So you're From wrong. St. Would it be forsaking the assembly to meet in a park for a wedding and then have worship in the park on that Sunday morning? Yeah. Okay. The, the, the preacher thinks it might be forsaking the assembly since he wouldn't be on vacation or out of town. Lots of I, things to talk about here. Yeah, yeah. Lots of things to talk about. Number one, why would you have a wedding on Sunday morning, I guess? I don't get that. I okay. don't get that at all. All right. But now... Second, the, the 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 verse we have to talk about here is Hebrews uh, chapter 10, 10 verse 25. 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. So we're not to forsake the assembling. 
Now, does that assembling have to be in a church building? No. Could that assembling be at a park? Yes. Could it be at a park after a wedding on Sunday morning? Yes, it could be. So that in and of itself doesn't constitute the forsaking of the assembly, although... Uh, Kent says the geographical location of a worship assembly is really not a crucial issue, which is true. That's what you're saying. Yes. You can have worship service in a park. Yes. But if you're in the park because you didn't want to take... Because you were doing something else when you should have been at worship. Then that would constitute forsaking the assembly because you're putting this other event ahead of what should be your practice. Yeah. When I wrote back, uh, I said, uh, there's probably a technical answer, uh, but there's a practical answer. There's two sides of this. The the technical answer is you can worship anywhere you want, you know, and you don't have to be inside the confines of of a designated church building to have a scriptural worship service. But the practical thing is, if we start making exceptions like this, there'll be no end to it, you know. Well, we, we didn't, we, we were able, we didn't go to worship service that day, but we had it in the park. Well, what about next week? We want to go camping, and we're going to be on the on the lake shore, and we really want to be out there on the water about the time the sun is coming up. So let's have a quick little prayer and and gobble down the Lord's Supper here just about sunrise, so we can hit the lake with the bass boat. And you know, if you start down that road, there's no stopping place. Right. And so the practical side of the question is, you're just opening up a whole can of worms. Well, there. and it's not so much as where this lead is, is what's what's the the motivation here. Why are we motivated to have the worship service in the park? Is it because we want to edge out, you know, put something yeah. else, give something else priority of yeah, what we should be key. doing on that yeah. on that day? Yeah. Now the preacher thinks it may be forsaking the assembly since he wouldn't be on vacation or out of town. Does that mean it's okay? Yeah, the, yeah, that's what I don't get. That part of that question is, the, if the preacher was on vacation, would it be okay? <laughs> I, I don't. I didn't get that. But I think Kent's got the right answer. He says, the geographical location of a worship assembly is really not a crucial issue. However, this worship must be an assembly of the local church, Hebrews 10, 25, 1 Corinthians 11. For only one Christian or a few Christians to assemble to the exclusion of the remainder of the local church would be wrong. In that, uh, in that it would cause one to either divide or forsake the assembling with others. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. and there's probably more to what Kent said there than that we could ex- uh, explore, but... I'm really concerned about, you know, uh, and now I, I, I want to freely confess that uh, I have made provisions to have worship in a non-traditional sense. I, I remember the first time that a, a, another preacher and I went to Russia. Uh, we knew of no, uh, we were in the city of Moscow, a city of about 8 million people, a vast city. We knew of no other Christians in that whole city. We had taken provisions to have worship, and we had a worship service, just he and I, in the room where we were staying. I don't have any guilty conscience about that at all. It wasn't typical, but that's where we were, and that's what we did. Uh, but, you know, I, but I, again, I want to be cautious that even explaining that scenario, someone said, well, we were at the lake, and we were 300 miles from the nearest church, and we just decide to have our own worship service at the lake. I, I don't feel good about that. Because to me, living where we live, there are so many opportunities to plan your vacation trip so that you'll be someplace where there are faithful Christians to meet with yeah. so you can worship with them. So, Okay. 
And, uh, yeah, just don't get married on Sunday morning. It doesn't make for a good one. Yeah, that's the biggest part yeah. of the problem on, right no. there. If you need yeah. help planning your wedding, just get in touch yeah, with Yeah, we us. need some wedding planners yeah, involved yeah, yeah. there. All right. Um, <laughs> Guest2558 says, this may be a stupid question, but what is the theme of tonight's program? Well, not <laughs> a stupid question. A, it's but about planting the Biru Planet X. <laughs> yeah, you got it. There is no There's theme. There's no theme. Uh, it's uh, just a random question. Right. It was, that it was random submitted. questions, and they really were just a, a completely disjointed grouping of questions. And but all those questions came from our listeners, and we thought it would generate some good uh Consideration the, the listener program. follows up and says, I am new here, so I'm not sure what the questions have been, so I will just observe tonight, perhaps. Well, thank oh, yeah. You. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah. This was an unusual program. Well, not totally unusual. We do this uh, every few months. We, we get questions from our listeners. Uh, if they are a question that justifies a whole program, we might deal with them in a whole program. Uh, if, if, if we can put several together, uh, like we did tonight, then we do that. Uh, and just answer random questions. That's a, we do that on occasion. We also just take topics or items that have been brought up for discussion and spend the whole hour on them. Uh, 2558, the way that you find out what the questions are, what the topic will be, is you send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, ask to be put on our distribution list, and uh, you'll get those questions on yeah. Thursday morning so you can be prepared and uh, be ready to join. Yeah, the and look back at our archives page uh, on our website, and you can see that typically we deal with a theme for, for the whole hour but on nights like tonight we just deal with a whole bunch of random questions that have been sent in and jeff responded to the question with interesting listener questions he put that in parentheses so he i realized he was answering the question i thought jeff was just commenting that these were interesting listener questions which i think they were and uh but I, that I, was that was the theme just dealing with, with but, listener but they questions were, i thought they were very interesting and we appreciate our listeners for submitting them and ask you to yeah, continue send, to submit send those. In more exactly right all right uh well good discussion i dad thanks for, for we're out time. of time kyle thanks, thanks uh, any kyle. comments that we missed on that side of no, he's got he's anxious to get outside and look see if he can see Nibiru circling by nearby. Put your helmet on. (laughs) Your tinfoil hat. All right. Okay. Uh, Thank you for joining us on the program. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.